Good morning, Frontline Church. Are you well? It's good to be with you in the house this morning, church. I just really want us to stay in this attitude of worship because I believe the Lord has started something in worship that He wants to carry through in the Word this morning. That intimacy that we've experienced, I believe that the Lord wants to minister to each and every one of us through that place today. So let's just ask the Lord to open up our spiritual eyes and ears this morning to hear what He has to say. Amen? So that we would walk away from this place with a, a deeper understanding of who He is, what He wants from our lives, church, and, and how that will affect the people around us. I want to really pray this morning that the Lord would reveal truth to us and that we would be so challenged in our hearts and minds this morning to make a change in our lives because the Word today will strike us at the very core of who we are. We're going to start a brand new series this morning called why truth, which we'll get into shortly. But before we do that this morning, I just want to commit this time today and this series to the Lord in prayer. So let's just pray together. Father God, we come to you today in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we commit this time to you. We commit this word to you today. We, Lord, we pray that through this series that you would enlighten us with your truth and that we would be struck to the very core of who we are so that we can walk closer with you and have a deeper understanding of what it truly means to be a Christ follower, a Christian. As we explore the truth in your word, Lord, we pray that it won't just be another sermon today, but that even the most basic truths will penetrate our hearts and be revealed to us afresh and it will cause us to make a change in our lives. Lord, we pray today that everything that has hindered us from hearing your truth in the past would be removed today. We come against the spirit of deception and lies. We come against the deaf and dumb spirit. We come against the spirit of lethargy in this place this morning. We come against any distraction that the enemy would cause to deceive us from hearing your truth. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this place. Come and have your way in each and every one of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. amen and Amen. Church, this morning, as I mentioned, we will be starting a brand new series called Why Truth? Why Truth? And, and why does the truth matter? The Lord has been leading me and challenging me to speak on some of the basic truths of the Bible that really impact our lives as Christians. And you know, through this series, we may even be challenged to take a really good look at ourselves and reassess where we are on our journey and our relationship with the Lord. And I just want to say from the get-go, church, that whatever I preach from this series is, is not meant for condemnation, but ultimately to, to set us free. So if there's any stage through this series that, that you feel like I'm pointing a finger at you of condemnation, remember there's three fingers pointing back at me. So it's really not meant for condemnation. You know, church, I think too often we become comfortable with surface-level Christianity when, in fact, there is so much more. And the Lord is leading us to the place in this church, I think you will agree, where we are beginning to strip off the things of the flesh that are, are truly holding us back for where the Lord wants to take us and what He has for us. So I'm excited to share this word with you this morning, and I really believe that we will be deeply impacted by what the Lord has for us in this time. Amen? You know, when I came to church this morning, when I saw people arriving, people greeting each other, just, you know, fellowshipping with each other, 
even praying together, I saw this joy and excitement on people's faces. People full of life and hungry and expectant for the things of God. Isn't it great to be a part of this family of God where there is such life? Right? Because not everywhere you go has what we have. And praise God for that. And in worship, there was such exuberance and adoration for God, you know, which is really amazing to see. And church, I must really remark on how you all are getting involved in worship. I mean, when I stand in front in the morning, I just hear these amazing sounds and cries of worship coming through, giving worship and, and adoration to our King Jesus. And it's such a privilege to be a part of that. Auditions will start on Thursdays, Kirk said. But church, I have to ask you a question this morning. When you are alone, what is the worship like? When you're not in this room and all these people are around and you don't have the band and, and everything else to spur you on, what is it like? When you were alone at home before you came through this morning, when you woke up, was that smile on your face? What is worship like when no one else is around? Do you long for Him? The Bible says that the spiritual person in Ephesians 5 has a, a melody go, going on all day to the Lord that is always giving thanks. You see, a lot of times people can come to a gathering and get so excited because they're surrounded by the body, which is a good thing. That's, that's a wonderful thing. It's a commander thing because we can't forsake the gathering of the saints. But I have to ask myself the question, what is it like when they're on their own? Because in all sincerity, we should be just as excited when we're alone with God, right? Well, you can say to yourself, you know, God, you and I are in this room together. You never left me. You've watched me go through all of this. You've sent your, your son to die on the cross for me. And I just want to worship you. And we're in this room together, you and I. What is it like when you're alone with God? The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit of God enters into you, that, that there should be a response. There's something in you. Galatians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 talks about it where it says, Because you are his sons, and I'll add daughters, because you are his sons and daughters, right? God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out our Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. God has put his spirit into us. And somehow from the depths, the, the very core of our being, we alone ourselves internally cry out, Abba, Father. It's the most beautiful and amazing thing, church. Just think about it. Whether you've had a good earthly father or not, God the Father becomes the father to the fatherless and there's this miracle that can happen when the Holy Spirit enters into you and in the side, the core of your being, even if you never had the privilege to, to cry out Father to a human father, even if you never had that intimacy and that trust and that comfort of being held by a human father, there's the sense which he says from the core of your being when the Spirit of God enters into you and makes you a son of God, inside of you, you cry out, you're my father. You're my Abba Father. You've been with me my whole life. You've been through everything with me. You're my God. So if you're on your own, where there's no worship team, no preacher, no uh, YouTube uh, podcast to watch or, or, or podcast to listen to, can you internally from the inside of you cry out, Abba Father? Yeah. 
Because church, what we don't want is for this to be an external thing. I'm talking about church. You know, when you come to church, we'll give you free coffee. Yeah. Or if you do a training session or come to a spiritual foundations course, we'll do this for you. No. It's about you somehow internally, inside from your heart, you cry out, Abba Father. I want to give you an illustration this morning that I think will, will drive this point home. So just picture yourself for a moment. You're in this church. All the doors are closed and, and sealed, and the church is about so high, full of water. Okay? And we're all sitting on this, this massive life raft. And everyone is safe. Okay? And we're all floating on this, on this raft, all looking like we're doing fine. Because no one is drowning. Everyone is pumping up the boat to make sure everything keeps afloat. But just think about this for a moment. Can everyone swim or is the raft holding them up? And the only way we could tell whether or not people could swim is if you take the life raft away, right? Then we would see what's inside of you. Do you know how to swim? And church, the point of the illustration is that there are a lot of things in today's church that can, that can keep you afloat. Externally or artificially, I mean, you may be in a Christian home, you may go to a Christian school, you may have a lot of Christian friends, you may even attend all the Christian activities that the church offers, and you're here, and everyone's calling you, they're keeping you accountable, you know, they're keeping you going, they're keeping you afloat, but my question is, what happens when, when all of that is, is stripped away? When I'm alone and it's just me and my Bible and I'm in the presence of God, does everything inside of me cry out, Abba, Father, because I love Him from the, the very core of my being. You see, church, if that's not true for some of us here today, that's a bit of a scary thought. Because in Matthew chapter 7 from verses 21 to 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And church, I'm not saying this from, from a place of judgment. I just want to make sure we're not the type of church that keeps you afloat in different ways with, with different programs. If then eventually the time comes when the music's gone, the, the pastor's gone, and you're boy by yourself and, and there's nothing left. Because as the church, we run the risk of just keeping people afloat instead of the, the, the Spirit of God entering into them, causing them to cry out, Abba Father. And I hope you're not the type of person that has to be, to be begged to spend time alone with God. I hope you're not the type of person that has to, you know, with the leadership of the church has to keep coming after you to tell you to turn your life around and to, to walk away from your sin. Because the Bible says that when the Spirit of God enters into you, that should be your natural response. You don't have to have someone pulling you and dragging you away from your sin. You just can't stand it yourself anymore. And in 1 John chapter 3, from verses 4 to 10, just listen to what this says. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that He appeared so that He might take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. 
No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Church, I don't think God could be more clearer here than in this passage. He says, if you are a child of God, you cannot continue in your sin. The book of Romans explains it beautifully where it says that something happens when you get saved. You used to be able to sin. You were a slave to sin. That's all you were able to do. But then suddenly the Spirit of God enters into you and now you're a slave to righteousness. And that's the same thing John is saying here. That when his seed enters into you, you can't keep on sinning because he's inside of you. Now he's a part of you. And it's not about being this perfect being that gets everything right all the time and, and that you, you don't make any mistakes in life. Because we'll only be perfect when we, we're with Him, right? But you know how you used to walk in your sin and it was okay? But when the Spirit of God enters into you, where the sin still looks attractive and you start to head in that direction, everything inside of you is going crazy, right? Because that's the Holy Spirit of God in you. That's His seed abiding in you. You can't help it. The Bible says whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. You know, we hear so many testimonies in churches where people will say, well, the pastor doesn't preach enough about sin, so I kind of fell back into my sin. Or my my connect group disbanded and no one's keeping me accountable, so I've I've returned to one of my, my previous sins. Or I, go to, or I went to a church where people keep on raising their hands and flowing too freely in the gifts of the Spirit. So, you know, I've left church altogether and now I've gone back to my old life. How can you do that? All these, extra, these external things are necessary. They're helpful. They, they are commanded. But at the very core of our being is this DNA called the Holy Spirit of God that won't let us go in that direction. And church, this is not my opinion. This is not Ryan DeClack's opinion. This is God's Word. The Word says that when my, spirit, when my seed enters you, my Holy Spirit enters into you, you can't just go back to your sin because that means, that proves that you're a child of the devil. And church, I know that sounds quite aggressive. And I know that's a bit of a hard word for some of you here today, but you're probably thinking, really? A child of the devil? Is that what Scripture is saying? I mean, if someone doesn't worship Satan, how can they be a child of the devil? Church, let me just clarify something for you here today. When the devil approached Eve, did he say to Eve, I want you to worship me, praise me, follow my commands? No. He said, that fruit looks good, huh? Why don't you just have a bite? Why don't you just do what you want to do? Don't let God tell you what's right and what's wrong. You make your own decisions. Why don't you be your own master? Listen, church, 
Satan's number one aim is not for you to obey him or sing songs to him. His number one goal is for you to do what you want to do, regardless of what God has commanded you. That's always been his aim. That's always been his goal. And if you've ever read the Satanic Bible, which, which I hope you haven't, but if you ever read the Satanic Bible, you would find that the number one command in the, in the Satanic Bible is not love and adore and, and worship Satan with your, all your heart, your, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The number one command of the Satanic Bible is do as thou wilt. Do what you want to do, right? Satan doesn't care if you, you worship a million other gods. He just wants you to do what you want to do. But as children of the Most High God, we are grateful for His commands. And we say, God, I actually want your commands. I love your commands. I, want to do what, I don't want to do what I want. I want you to do what your Spirit does in me that, that makes me a slave to righteousness. Church, is that in us? You know, if we took away the life raft, figuratively speaking, would we be able to swim and, and cry out, Abba, Father, on our own? Is that spirit in us that makes us detest our sin, or do we need all this other peripheral stuff to, to keep us afloat? The Bible says when, when the spirit enters into you, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the spirit of God is in you, that becomes your desire, doesn't it? Don't you look at your neighbors and say, Lord, please empower me. I want to help them. I want them to fall in love with you. Don't you look at your friends. Don't you look at, at people at work or at school and say, God, please use me to say something that will penetrate their hearts. Give me the words, Lord, to, to plant a seed so that they can get to know you. Because you see, church, this is a desire of the heart that, that, that is filled with the Spirit of God. And truthfully, church, we shouldn't have to be encouraged to share our faith. That should be the internal work that's happening on the inside, from the inside out. In the same way, we shouldn't have to be encouraged to, to give financially to the body of Christ. That should be happening from the inside out. We shouldn't be encouraged and, and beg to get involved in different ministries to give back to the body of Christ. That should be happening from the inside out. And I suppose that's where the disparity comes between the, the flesh and the spirit. Where the flesh is all about me, myself, and I, and what I can get. Where the spirit is about others and how I can serve others. The Bible says that you, you are not going to be able to live the life that God wants you to live in the flesh. Something miraculous has to happen on the inside. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, A dog returns to its vomit, and another says, A washed pig returns to the mud. So you wash a pig off, and what does it do? It runs back as fast as it can to the mud, right? And unfortunately, this can happen in the church, where the church becomes like a, a giant washing machine. And just washes people off and, and washes people off. And you get washed off by the church again and again and, and you think you're clean, but a few weeks later you're running right back to the mud. Why? Because your nature hasn't changed. You have to change who you are from the very core of your being. 
Church, that's why the Bible talks about us being dead in our trespasses and sins. Because when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we, we were just like the rest of the world. You did whatever you wanted, whatever you, you felt like doing. But then what happens in Ephesians, it says that He makes you alive. He changes your nature and you're no longer dead. But you're alive and the Spirit enters into you and now you're actually a slave to righteousness. You're no longer like that pig that keeps on running back to the mud. And as soon as you get, your, you get mud on your hands and your feet again, or a bit of mud splatters on your clothes and you're like, I don't like this feeling anymore. I don't want this, this mud on me anymore. I don't want to be associated with the sin anymore. Amen? I'm a different person now, and when I'm alone, I actually cry out, Abba Father. Now I can't keep on sinning. Now actually what I want to do is advance His kingdom. Because it's not just about me now. There's a change in you. And instead of your life being about yourself, your focus now changes to, other, to others. When you see the poor, your heart cries out and you just want to bless them. When you see the lost, everything inside of you just wants to get a word from the Lord to encourage them and to lead them to the gospel. Why, church? Because of one reason. The Holy Spirit of God is in you now. Working from the inside out. And church, if you're not experiencing this in your own life, if this isn't happening from the inside out, you were meant to be here today. Because the Bible says everything can change right now. Because while we were still sinners, while we kept on returning back to the mud and kept on returning back to the mud, Christ died for us. So I want to encourage you today. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2 for you in a, in a different version this morning in the NRRV version. And I'm trusting this will encourage you and, and bring some direction if, if that's what you need. You were living in your sins and lawless ways. But in fact, you were dead. You used to live as sinners when you followed the ways of this world. You serve the one who rules over the spiritual forces of evil. He is the spirit who is now at work in those who don't obey God. At one time, we all lived among them. Our desires were controlled by sin. We tried to satisfy what they wanted us to do. We followed our desires and thoughts. God was angry with us like he was with everyone else. That's because of the kind of people we all were. But God loves us deeply. He is full of mercy. So He gave us new life because of what of Christ has done. He gave us life even when we were dead in sin. God's grace has saved you. God raised us up with Christ. He has seated us with Him in His heavenly kingdom. That's because we belong to Christ Jesus. He has done it to show the riches of His grace for all time to come. His grace cannot be compared with anything else. He has shown it by being kind to us. He was kind to us because of what Christ Jesus has done. God's grace has saved you because of your faith in Christ. Your salvation doesn't come from anything you do. It is God's gift. It's not based on anything you have done. No one can brag about earning it. We are God's creation. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good works. 
Long ago, God prepared these works for us to do. Beautiful, right? Church, the Bible says that we were all there. The whole world was there. But God says all of that can change. And if you're not in that place today, church, where this is not happening from the inside out, I want to encourage you. As we go into a time of, of ministry and communion this morning, I want to encourage you to really think about where you are in your life, whether or not you should, where, are you, where you are, where you should be in your journey with the Lord Jesus. If there isn't something on the inside of you that cries out, Abba, Father, you know what? Just be honest with yourself. And I want to encourage you to come and repent before the Lord and, and ask Him to bring you to the place where His work is evident in you from the inside out. That is just flowing out of you. I want to encourage you to, to, to jump off the life raft this morning and to discover God for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Get into the Scriptures. Grapple with these Scriptures. Ask the Lord to, to minister to you through His Word. Because it's better to find out now that you can't swim than when the flood comes, right? Come on. It's better to find out now and admit that you need some help. And church, again, please don't look at this as a condemning message. Rather, look at it as a life-changing message that will bring direction to some of the, even some of the most mature of Christians, of ardent of Christians. Because the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ brings freedom, not condemnation. But it's our responsibility to respond to His invitation. It's our responsibility to come before Him, him and ask Him to perform that work in us. The church, as I mentioned earlier on in the sermon, the Lord is taking this body, He's taking frontline church to the place where we begin to strip off the things of the flesh that are that holding us back from truly going where, where He wants to take us. And why is He doing that? Why is He taking frontline place to this church? Uh, frontline church to this place. Because we have an opportunity to, to be a part of what God wants to do through that vision. And when the Holy Spirit is in us, when His seed is abiding in us, there is no limit to the role you and I will play in transforming cities and nations. Amen? So I'm going to leave you with a question this morning before we go into a time of ministry and, and communion. Why truth? Why do we need the truth? Why does truth matter? Well, firstly, Jesus is truth, right? The truth sets us free. It exposes the darkness. It exposes lies. It points to the centrality of the gospel. It leads to repentance. And church, when we, when we grasp it, when we truly take a hold of it, when we truly, truly take a hold of it, church, we find our purpose in life, and that brings glory to God. And that's what we were created to do, right? So as we take the word this morning and allow it to, to minister to each and every one of us today, and when you're alone with God again, if you have any questions in your heart, go through, like I said, discover God for yourself. Get into the Scripture. Spend time alone with God. Let Him minister to you. And if there's any questions in your heart, church, I want you to ask yourself these three questions. It's something uh, we took from, uh, or I took from the equip session that we did on Tuesday night. And write this down if you can. Ask yourself three questions. Who is God? What has He done? And who am I? Who is God? What has He done? And who am I?
Go and search. Go and ponder. And go and find out the centrality of Jesus in everything and what that means for your life. Church, we have an opportunity to be a part of what God wants to do through that vision. Our responsibility is to respond to His invitation.